if you choose to win. Welcome back, everybody, to another even better episode of the Be Better podcast. Uh, not only do we have a better co-host, which is our original co-host, Gabby. How are you doing, Coach Gabby? I'm good. How are you? I am so glad Devin's not here. Anyways, because I <laughs> wanted to listen to him shamelessly plugging himself all the time. Not, not to say I don't like Devin, but you are much, much more my favorite. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Yeah. And, and, you know, Gabby, we are doing something new for the first time because we ourselves are pushing ourselves to be better. And we're creating a different kind of format for the podcast today. So we are in a, what we call a three-segment um, format. And so segment one is what we're doing now. And then segment two, we'll be interviewing somebody. And then segment three, we'll be kind of coming back to you and I, instead of just having somebody like a guest on the entire time. So I'm really excited for that new format. I, I, I know that's kind of how other um, podcasts do it. And, and yeah. I think it should be good. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, most of my podcasts that I listen to kind of, um, unless they're more of a review, they usually function that way where they, the hosts come in an intro and then they might do an interview or do a game or whatever. And then they'll kind of come back and, um, conclude almost like a good book. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, intro body and conclusion. You, I, I have to ask you listen to other podcasts. Are you a crime junkie podcast person? Are you a reality? Mm-hmm. Are you what, like, what, what other podcasts do you crush? Obviously besides ours. No. Yeah. I mean, I, one of my favorites actually is a lot of the NPR podcasts are great, but planet money is really entertaining. I like listening to that. Um, but then, you know, for fun podcasts, I listen to some just fun reality TV based podcasts that are just goofy and I can turn on while I walk. Zoe. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. I, I, yep. I tend to, I tend to find that the, our podcasts that we listen to are our escape route. You know, the things that we are like are the things that we, we find a lot of satisfaction in that aren't something we normally do every day. So I, I have two like hockey podcasts that I like to listen to. One's Spitting Chicklets and the other one's Bar Down Beauties. And one's a kind of national hockey based. The other one is um, Minnesota Wild. But, you know, I'm a hockey nut and that's that's kind of where I like to to go to. Yeah, I, I think it's just like reading a book it's just somewhere to kind of go and escape and take your mind off of work or whatever's kind of going on in your life so it's it's fun to listen to different things yeah definitely well you know speaking of different things we have uh last week was a big week here in the upper midwest because not only did we have three major fat bike races but we also hosted the winter fat bike world championships over in new richmond wisconsin um, world championships. That's a, that's a big event, you know, for, uh, for a little Wisconsin town. Yeah, I, I would have to say so. And which one were you at? I Your... was, at, I was at one of the smaller ones. I was at the Norpine race, the Norpine fat bike festival, which is up in Grand Marais, um, a place that, you know, cause a, a fun fact for the, for our listeners, um, about, I think, uh, was it a couple days right after uh, we podcasted? Because we podcasted right before I made my my bike trip up to Canada, which was uh, 300 yep. plus miles. And on the day that I, I completed, I went back and, and I celebrated with dinner at this place in Grand Marais called the Angry Trout. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear Chris and who's sitting at the table next to me, 300 miles north of where we live but you and K3PO. Yep. <laughs> small, small world. It is a small world. I, I wasn't expecting that. I knew, I mean, we knew you were heading that direction with your bike trip, but 
um, we we weren't expecting to run at you run into you at the angry trout. No, so. definitely not. But you know what? There's uh, small gifts coming and in, uh, in all kinds of packages, and that was definitely one of the one of the fun points that I will always remember is, is the unexpected gift of seeing the two of you that evening in the table right next to us. That was a lot of fun. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I I would have to say so. Yeah. Uh, so, Gabby, the other big thing that's going on right now that we have to discuss is the Olympics. So, so big going on right now. And first of all, are you watching? Oh, yeah. I, I've been uh, staying up probably well past my bedtime every single night, catching up <laughs> on the Olympics. And it, it's been really, really fun. There's been some major shakeups, not only from shocker doping scandals with the uh with the russian olympic committee uh, athletes yes. with, the, with, with the figure skating um but also uh some dramatic wins by uh by snowboarders uh speed skating the um you know we have had uh some the, and i can't remember her name uh but she was an african-american female who i think it was just six or eight years ago was the first time she actually put speed skates on and now she won the gold medal Wow. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. That was super cool. I didn't get to see that race and I'm really bummed. Yeah, she did. She was, she was great. And I, and I, I'm failing her name and that, that, and I'm terrible for that. I will, I'll be better and and remember names better. Um, but that was big. Uh, the American men in hockey beat Canada also. That's a huge thing because, you know, that's always something that we get crushed at, but the women, uh, in, in hockey, in ice hockey are playing for the gold medal against Canada tomorrow. Are you going to be watching that? Duh. I mean, our the American <laughs> American women hockey is at a next level. And for people that have not watched women's hockey, you're missing out because our level is is NHL level. It's it's just an, it's it there is very little difference between the 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 speed of play, the quality of play, and I just love it. I mean, cuz well, you know, I love all sport and I love all of them at this level. But it is, it's just as equal in, in my desire to watch it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really inspiring and and exciting and, um, I think everyone's hopefully enjoying it at the moment. I, I definitely have. Have you ever been to an Olympics? No, I can't say that I have. (laughs) Have have you ever wanted to go? Only been viewing on the, uh, the good old boob tube. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to, or ever had any idea of plans or, or desires to go? I think it would be pretty fun. I, it would probably be a zoo. Um, but I think it'd be really, really fun. Um, I do, I have to admit that I'm a bigger summer Olympics fan than I am winter. So I think oh. I would definitely go for a summer Olympics. Oh, for sure. Cause that's, you know, that's triathlon is right there and that's, that's right in our wheelhouse. Um, and swimming and swimming. Watch the swimming. Yep. That's right. That's right. You have an, you, you do have a fondness for swimming. Um, so the next Olympics are coming up in two years in Paris, 2024. We're talking European city, uh, probably a lot of good English to be spoken there. Easy access. Most likely COVID's going to be gone by that time, or at least, you know, not a travel issue. Um, should be an endemic. It should Hopefully. be an endemic. I love that. That's a new, that's a great new term. We should hashtag that hashtag endemic. <laughs> yep. Um, so I, I think you and K3PO should start thinking about making a trip over and, uh, and just go and see the Olympics because as somebody who's seen, I've been to three different ones. I can tell you that it is a spectacle like no other. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been itching to go abroad just for a while, just with travel being kind of a little sketchy, but to go for the Olympics would be pretty cool. And Chris knows he he knows a little bit of Francais, so it would be <laughs> pretty fun to go to Tevi. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so. I'm and and I'm I'm hoping because you know with with uh, with my work with the uh, Paralympic National Program. Uh, I'm hoping to be a possible uh, candidate for uh, for the pair program, and so if that does happen, um, which would be a huge, huge honor, um, the idea would be that uh, Jill and Jill and I would go over beforehand and try and catch some of the Olympics before the Paralympics, because then I would have a little bit more accessibility based upon you know obviously if there if that's something that happens. Even better, and hopefully you'd get a little bit of time for vacation too. Oh, I know. And you know what the funny thing is, is like, so we went to, Jill and I were in London and we got tickets to some of the most random things. We went to table tennis, also known as, commonly known as ping pong, uh, badminton, archery, um, beach volleyball. Uh, you know, those were ones you have to get tickets for. And all of those, which may sometimes sound like, you know, boring, they were all totally epic and you just couldn't help but just be drawn into all of them. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I I can't say I've ever really followed or watched table tennis. So that would have been definitely a new experience, much like I have not been following or really watched curling. <laughs> exactly. You know, at curling, it seems like, uh, but when you get there, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's everything you ever wanted it to be. And, you know, with, with table tennis, you, most people, their reference point is like Forrest Gump. And it, yeah. and it's it is that fast, it's that wild, and you're just drawn in by it, and it's 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 super fun, and I really enjoyed that. But the other thing about the Olympics, especially with the Summer Olympics, is there are all of these common events that don't require tickets. So like triathlon, anybody can go because it's an open course. Um, a lot of the road running, um, bike riding, the bike racing, um, all those can be can be done and viewed without tickets. So you there are a number of other events you can see. Uh, without actually having to have a ticket. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's even better. <laughs> there you go. I know, because it, it, yep. it can get expensive. And when you it enter can. the when you enter the lottery, you sometimes, well, most times you don't get it. You don't get to pick what you yeah. get. It's kind of like they you dole out. Get. So like Jill got to go to, like she had to go to a gymnastics one and swimming. Swimming actually, what I've heard is in person is not nearly as, um, impressive as it is on the screen, much like how I would say American football with all of the, the commentary, the data, um, you know, the visuals that are, that are overlaid, you, you don't understand how much of that is actually part of the broadcast of swimming. So when you're there, it's just like kind of watching a swim meet, you don't get all the information and like, you don't get the immediate splits, but you get some of the, I would say the excitement, but not all of the in-depth, um, commentary, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up, grew up going to a swim meet or two and they were pretty monotonous and <laughs> you're watching people just flail around in a chlorinated body of water and it can be a little, little boring, but with, uh, let's see, what is the name? Is it Rowdy Gaines doing some, uh, fun announcing? It makes it a little bit more entertaining and I think anyone can understand it then too. I know. And it, it really does come down to the commentary. You know, I think about like the Winter Olympics, I think Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski, what they've done for figure skating and how they have like basically 
taken Scott Hamilton and pushed him into a corner and said, this is our space, get out. Um, they really do own that. And I, and I, and I love how they have kind of brought a whole new cross section of the world into a sport that had sometimes been toenailed into a, a specific subset of people who are watching it. Yeah. And they bring a sense of humor and understanding to it. And I mean, I know absolutely nothing about figure skating, so it's been really fun to listen to the two of them banter and, um, just bring a little light because sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's my perception, but figure skating can come across a little snooty. Yes. So it's been it's been nice to have their commentary and it does not feel snooty at all. So I totally um, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, Gabby, this is we're going to wrap up our uh, our first segment and um, coming back in segment two, we're going to talk with uh, my old coach Jared Berg, who's actually my very first coach, and I'm very excited to talk to him. Um, we're going to talk about metabolic testing and the use of metabolic testing uh, today, and how to apply it for coaching and uh, and with athletes. And then when we come back, uh, you and I are going to crush and, and and hash over some of those things that, that uh, Jared and I talked about. So uh, hold tight. And um, we'll talk to each other here in just a little bit back in segment three. Sounds good. All right, everybody. We'll be right back with, uh, with Coach Jared Berg on the Be Better podcast. everybody thank you for uh sticking with us we are in our second segment here of our new format and i am so excited to introduce you to uh our next guest here um i'm gonna introduce you to my very first coach and to be honestly the only person that i've ever trusted with my my performance and my coaching uh jared berg jared thank you for joining me today my pleasure thanks for having me on chris and uh thanks for that sentiment it's really uh it's it was great to be a, a part of your uh your adventures early on. Yeah. And so to give everybody a little bit of backstory about my, my, uh, my dealings with Jared is that, um, when I first decided I want to do an Ironman, I thought, okay, who am I going to go to? And this is back when gear West was huge and rolling and, uh, and Jared was, uh, was kind of the coach. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to talk to this guy. And, and, uh, and so I, I hired Jared as my coach to coach me to Ironman. Jared hooked me up with a guy who ended up being a lifelong friend of mine, Jason Tischer, who was a good friend of Jared and Jason and I, and I ended up training for that second Ironman together. Um, just that was kind of a fateful, fateful meeting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Jared, you were the first one that said, Hey, you know, you ever thought about being a coach? And I don't know if you knew that you were the one that really lit that fire inside of me. I, you know, I, I feel like I remember a conversation that we had. I was at like, maybe a some sort of cafe or something on like 50th or something somewhere in that sort of like sort of south minneapolis area and you and just like this could be something that you like we should start doing and then maybe it was at that point you were coaching it was going pretty well you're like you know i want to i want to quit my my day job i think it's maybe that was that conversation and and you were like i'm like wow that's pretty interesting like, like you're actually like thinking about like leaving something that you you know you worked for and you you've been doing for i don't know how long were you on the on the police force for before so I, uh yeah i was a cop for 16 years is it 16 years it was that long yeah it was that long I, wow. and uh, yeah i've now yeah. officially worked longer as a coach than i have as a cop which is like wow we're, yeah we're, we're calling chris 3.0 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah i didn't realize that it was six it was 16 years that was that was, I, I figured you know i was gonna think i was thinking maybe you're six or seven years and you're just like you decided you want to you know take it to the next level at that or and and or like something totally different but you were actually you actually had an established career in that in that field i had a pension i was i was a unionized civil servant i mean it was all over there it was every reason in the world i should have never have left that job but i totally did and I remember because yeah. I was I was like kind of toying around with with coaching. Well, I, I was leading the Wednesday night group ride at, group, at Gear West. That really was the yeah. beginning of it. And there was like the hammer ride that you and and all those guys would go out and mm-hmm. just like throw yep. down on. And then there was like the age group ride that I would, you know, basically shelter people through and you know make them feel yeah. important yep. and stuff. And that was that, yeah. was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but it was I think it was when you. Uh, encouraged me to come out with you and we went to we went to the springs and we went to the art and science and triathlon mm-hmm. and we stayed mm-hmm. and, and we went to the the first one of those together and that's kind of where it was like oh yeah you should do this and then yes you, yes and then you connected me with another guy and we were supposed to go down to claremont to do our level one training together yep and he ended up kind of bailing at the end and it was just me but that yep. was that was like i mean literally you set everything in motion and put all those blocks in place to say, Hey, you should do this. I think you might be actually kind of good at this. Yeah. Gosh. Yes. It's great. Great to hear it kind of play out like that and be a part of it. You're kind of like my, you're kind of like my dad. Yeah. You're like my coaching yeah. dad. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and, and, and you've taken it pretty dang far. I'm, I'm a proud father. Oh, you should. I like, thank, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's, it's come a long ways. I was, uh, um, I've worked a lot at it and, you know, teaching and, and, you know, I think last year, uh, getting my level three or being, being, you know, into that level three program and then, you know, now working with the paranational program has been, been a bit, but it's, you know, coaching's not like nobody goes into coaching to make money and, you know, like, yeah, yeah, no. And, and luckily family is there to, to kind of keep me supported with, uh, you know, my wife, Jill has been a huge piece of that. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's been a fun ride and it's, it's, uh, it has, um, you know, it's, it's been cool to have you always there. Um, and I've referred back, I still, there's some still stuff that you have that I have and I, I still refer to it or I reference it at some point That's in cool. time. And yeah, it's a, it, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, I've always I've done a pretty good job at diving into like, you know, why we do certain things, the, the science behind things and really to sort of getting deep. But when you look at a coach and like, and the strengths that it takes to be really someone who can, can successfully guide somebody, it's, it's the quality that you have, like that, that, you know, that you brought to it and I, that hopefully, you know, is kind of what I recognized was the fact that you're just such a good listener that you know how to, to bring the most out of out of people and how to motivate them and it's not something not something easy it's something you know something that has to be you know just sort of either you know innate and then practiced and it's yeah you just kind of bring that selfless quality that is necessary to you know to successfully guide somebody in their endeavor whether it's a triathlon or long distance bike event or, or anything oh i appreciate so, that that is yeah. that's that's something that, that that was one of the things that i i think i really took from you i think from the very beginning i think you had you had told me once and it's not like it's not the silver bullet thing it's it you know the program's not the silver bullet it's it's really the connection with the athlete and and yeah. um it, funny story i'll I'll, uh, I'll put it here um i talk you know when i when i teach i try and you know kind of put different things into my mind and I talk about different ways of coaching and there's like, you know, that there are times when public shaming 
can be appropriate. And there are times when public shaming an individual uh, in front of a group may not be appropriate. And I use the, uh, the situational yeah. point when I came out and stayed with you and did my little training camp. Um, and you took me over to Flatiron and we did a afternoon master swim course with uh, the one and only Dave Scott. And you and I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. the story, but we were in the yeah. pool and, you know, I'm looking up and down and like, and for those of you that never been to the Flatirons, it's like the place to go. And it's like where all the pros are at. And, you know, you're there yeah. in the afternoon because no one likes to swim in the morning and it's outdoors yeah. and it's like so nice. And you look mm -hmm. up and down the pool and at the time it was like, I remember Simon Lessing was there and like a handful of other like, you know, big pros that you like read about in Triathlete Magazine and there you are at the end of the pool and you have no idea who it is. And all of a sudden Dave Scott walks out. It's like Dave the man. Scott walks out and is like, you know, swim trench coat and he doesn't know me from Adam and he sees him a new face and, and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Chris. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't figure he'd remember. And, for, and, and, and Dave coaches his master's program, for, you know, he doesn't put it up on a board. He, you know, tells everybody what to do. And Jared, I don't know if you remember, we, we started out and we were doing the warm up, and he brought everybody back to the wall and he like said the set. And then he looked over at me and he pointed at me and he said, and Chris, let's lose the pole buoy. This isn't wreck swim. And I'd slam with the pole <laughs> buoy. From that day forward, I never swam with a pole buoy. Yep, yep. That is so funny. And I literally yeah. could have died right there and never done anything for the rest of my life and been like, oh my God, what, oh, just, yeah. what just happened? But being publicly shamed in front of my coach and like all these other top tier people for, for swimming with a pole buoy, I thought, oh my God, will I ever live that down? But it was effective. It was yeah, effective. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point. When it's effective, when it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't at all anything to do with personality. It was something to do with a, you know, like swimming modality. Exactly. And, and Dave knew, Dave knew he could tread that line and he would, he would resonate with, with you and boom. Nailed it. <laughs> so funny though. I don't know that that, yeah. that day has lived in infamy and I have used that in so many different lectures. I'm like, well, here's, let me just tell you a little bit of story about when I was publicly shamed and how it affected me as an athlete. So um, that's funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have some, I have a few Dave Scott stories and, um, but I think the, uh, one of my, uh, <laughs> I could go on a few, I'm just, because there's just, I think four or five that stick on my head. But one is like, he's, he's, Dave used to coach me, coach me and, um, uh, another Midwestern athlete, um, Andy Bruckner, who was, um, from the Green Bay, Wisconsin area too. And he was an outstanding guy, Marcel Vivian, who was in a kind of Olympic qualifier, I think in triathlon. Uh, and my buddy, Jim Carruthers and Kim Bruckner, who went on to be a professional cyclist. So we were just a training group, but we, you know, like this was all be kind of like when the internet, you know, no one thought it was really going to catch on. Right. Yep. Um, he would leave us workouts underneath his front doorstep, like the mat, his welcome mat underneath his front door. And we, we'd go pick up the workout before we went out on our bike to have him tell us, yeah, I want you to go, I want you to do 20 minutes at this pace. And then I want you to stand on stand while pedaling for 20 minutes straight while climbing a hill. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, those were, that's how we got our work. Yeah. Yeah. They were awesome. He had great, great ideas and great workouts, you know, even like talking about like, Hey, I want you to run up this hill, but I want you to do this, this, and this while you're running up the hill. I'm like, I can barely get up the hill, but he wants me to, but he wants me to change, you know, which I thought, yeah, it was awesome. But looking back, it was brilliant because it gave me something else to think about besides just trying to get up this hill. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing, what was it? another great Dave quote was, um, it was after this race that we did back in the mid, in the Midwest that he came and got an appearance fee and, and, um, 
and we both did real well in the race and you know like one and two and and uh, we were just kind of, and he was, Dave was like, well, retired at this point and he's still like crushing it. It was amazing. And I'm like, you know, Dave, can I get you a hamburger? And he's like, he's like, I haven't had one of those in 20 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh-huh. so he just had, there's so many good, yeah, he's um, just definitely um, very diligent. And, and he's been a, he was a great mentor for me as I, you know, decided to take the move from racing as an amateur to professional athlete and his support was crucial. And I still uh, appreciate running into him around town. He was such a cool guy. He was, he um, who was he? He was, when I was volunteering at the Lifetime Race back when that was a huge pro race, he was coaching somebody, and I want to say, was it Simon Lessing at the time? Uh, he definitely, he coached, he coached Simon Lessing, but I feel like that might have been more as Simon was working towards long distance racing. Like when Simon, like, you yeah. know, won, like, Placid, like Placid, I think Dave was sort of um, his, you know, a, a helpful. Yeah, Dave was there just kind of like, like carrying stuff. And I kind of like said, I, I, I was, he was super gracious. I'm like, Dave, you're, you're like, you're like, you're such a great Sherpa. And he's like, yeah, hey, I'm just here to help, man. And I thought yeah. like, what a, what a like neat, like human being he was. And I, I, I was always kind of, I, I felt like he was, he was a very honest individual and, and yeah. I, I know he, yeah. you know, he was in his nutritional stuff. I remember hearing stories about how he would rinse cottage cheese and you know, how he like had like, he told guys that he only ate dates on the bike at Ironman. And like, that's all his food was, was all dates just because he knew people would try and do it. And it would like, you know, make him so bloated and everything that he would just screw with <laughs> yeah. people. But um, I think there's, there's, there's some funny stories about that too. Yeah. in general, like in, in, in other um, aspects of, I think, and hopefully it wasn't true. I think it was like Tour de France, some team talking about how it, they try to go into um, the um, Elp d'Huez, you know, like the ride up to the Elp d'Huez, you know, on that stage and they try to like um saturate or um dehydrate themselves so they, they would carry less weight going up the hill because they did testing and that kind of thing you're like that is that is awesome because the, hopefully they're not because no one's doing it but if someone believes them then they're going to be in trouble oh yeah like it's like you just kind of head fake that is like the omaha yeah. of, of endurance sports it's like the yes. like the audible it's like oh yeah don't yeah. that that's that's awesome man um, hey, this kind of leads me into my next next topic that I want to touch with you on. So last time that you and I saw each other like face to face, which, you know, obviously pre-COVID, you were you were working um, in the performance lab down at UC Boulder. And I know that you have a lot of science background and uh, something that we have been talking about um, recently is the uh, the use of uh, metabolic testing with athletes and, you know, how that has kind of changed with technology on the on the surface mainly because of some of these new wireless units that have come out so instead of having to be you know wired into a whole cart where you have to be in one location you have to be inside of a lab you can now take some of these tests remotely you can take it to somebody's house you can do it outside god i even saw somebody put a a unit on somebody doing a a step test on the bike on the road i don't even know why you would do that ever in a day um but I wanted to get yeah. your get your take on some of this. Number one, on some of these units and and how you've seen them applied and 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 how specific they are. But then, you know, how do you see, you know, data being used as 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 an athlete? Number one, but then also like as a coach, because there's a different different take on that. Yeah. So okay, there's certainly there's a lot here. It's a big question. You had a great great prelude into it. I um yeah the um, the portable um. And metabolic analyzers, I wouldn't call them metabolic. They're not carts anymore because it's not, it's not on a cart. But they, they've been around for a while. I remember um, 
first got back to Boulder after after um, living in Minneapolis and hanging out with you for for years, I um, was working with with uh, Neil Henderson, who's a fantastic coach, really knowledgeable um, um, individual in the in the endurance sporting world, and uh, he was at. Boulder Center for Sports Medicine, which Boulder Center for Sports Medicine actually was the what transitioned into CU Sports Medicine Performance Center, where I I held my exercise physiologist position. So, but I rolled up and um, I was doing some internship work with with Neil at PCSM, and he was helping kind of guide me and coaching me a little bit also. Uh, he put a, a, a metabolic analyzer on my back with the mask, everything, and had me ride up Sunshine Canyon. Sunshine Canyon. Um, you've done Flagstaff. I would say similar, a little bit picture, a little steeper, steeper in the beginning. Okay. Um, and and then it just doesn't doesn't get as doesn't get as deep as uh, as Flagstaff until you get into onto the dirt section. So, but yeah, so he had he's like, I want you to do twelve minutes here. I want to see how high you can you can ramp up for the last three minutes. I want to see what kind of data we get on this cart. You know, so so they have been around. They've been portable for has that least that was at least. 15 17 18 years ago actually okay yeah so they've been around for a while uh i you know this one i want to say got put in the you know eventually just put in the back shelf of a closet because they weren't happy with the the uh, reliability and you know and the validity of the the data they were getting okay. and that that goes into that the next phase of your question well how do i feel about these cards um these portable units is you know, it's they're very dynamic these cards, and I don't know how like consistent and robust you're going to get with your um, data unless you are constantly able to calibrate them. Okay. So when I'm working with a metabolic cart in a lab, we're comparing it to a known gas. Yep. Every test that we do, so we're plugging it into a gas tank that has, say, four percent. Um, CO2 and 16% O2 and we're measuring to make sure that that cart knows that it reads that and it compares and then it also can read what our normal air that we're breathing which is you know 21% and 0.04% CO2 yep. so we want, to, we want to basically really calibrate those units every time we use them and I would want to make sure that any cart that any portable unit that you're using has a sort of calibration a protocol that um, that work that you're confident is, that the number that you're getting is the number that really um, is going to be useful. Yeah, because I would see that, and, and using the we used to use a Met Graphic cart with a 12 EKG lead. That was, you know, I remember having to hook it up to the to the um, to the gas, and then also doing the the uh, the syringe pump through. And yeah, yeah, to get to your volume. Yeah, you're you're, um, it's, you're you're you're, cali- you're calibrating for um, flow volume. Yep. And for um, known gases. Yeah, yep. and I remember that was like like how are we going to do that every time? But that was a huge piece of it because if you are going to have a science based test. You have to have some standards to test to. There has to be a calibration, um, yeah. kind of like how you used to always have to zero out a power meter, which you don't really have to do much as, as much anymore. But yeah, but it is a key to the accuracy of it. Yeah, and but then, but then you need to take take a step forward where we are today. And there's a cool lab or um, science center we have in Boulder called NCAR National Center for Atmospheric Research. Well, one of their key little talking things is they take you down in the basement. And they show you this huge, huge tray supercomputer, right? This big, big computer, right? And they're like, well, I'm like, wow, that's all computer and 
storage and this and that. And you're like, you're like, yeah, but we don't use it anymore because the one that you have in your pocket is more powerful. <laughs> right. I think that drives the point home really solid where, where when you look at these um, metabolic carts, you really have a couple different types. You have a breath by um, – you have a mixing chamber which is a card that I'm very familiar using. It's called the Parvomedics with a um, with a mixing chamber. And that's sort of um, analyzing the CO2 and O2 that is blown into this big sort of box or plastic container. And then it and then it sort of analyzes that um, the gases. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have these breath-by-breath analyzers, which are very accurate and very useful to really understand um, really the nuances and, and different um, sort of exercise intensities and uh you can look at even rest resting maybe a little bit more um uh intensely i guess you'd say uh so those breath by breath is going to be more what these portable units are and if that computer is as powerful as the one in your pocket your phone right that analyzing it is there a real need for this big cart in contrast to a breath by breath analyzer i don't necessarily know that there is yeah right however with that being said i the calibration units is always going to be it's going to be a big syringe i would think you know to really get that and then you would need a gas tank so portable unit without a proper calibration may not be as um as as valid as one that um is uh you know one in the lab with that unit. So, so that those are kind of my, my, how does that work and how it doesn't work? Yeah. And, and the one, so, so the one that we've been um, using here that we kind of been toying around with uh, is from yeah. a company called Pinoe. Um, the difference is between that and like a, uh, um, a VO max, which is uh, more, looks like more like a scuba tank almost um, it, that on your, on your face, or, or I would say a scuba diving regulator. Um, yeah. What this is, is this is, has the, the, um, the analyzing unit on your back on, or I'm sorry, on, yeah, on your back on like a, uh, yeah. like a backpack. And then the yeah, unit is yeah, on your face, yeah. like a scuba diving regular again. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's when I, yeah. I use the line. I like that too. Yeah. And it, 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 in, in its calibration, it has two options where it can do an ambient air calibration or you can do, um, you can do with, with, with a, with a tank of gas as well. Um, with a known gas. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, so you would do both ideally. Yep. And so that, that is, uh, and it's, it's all kind of, it, it runs off a phone app, which I mean, Considering yeah. my kids like play Angry Birds and the same thing that I'm I'm using to to drive a um, a metabolic test with is is a little bit disheartening sometimes. But you know, <laughs> but but to your point, you know, when you think about like you know you using that that computer analogy, also you can say you know the analogy of we sent the first astronauts to the moon on something yeah. less than a Commodore sixty four. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's it. And what I've tried to think of is is that as long as you're getting accurate data. That's the important part, and then the secondary piece is what are you doing with the data? You know, how yeah. are you how are you extrapolating that out? How are you interpreting interpreting that and applying that? And that kind of goes to my second part of my question: is as an athlete, did you have a different interaction with the data that came from metabolic testing than you do as a coach, or was is it? Do you kind of see it in the same vein? Uh, Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, before I get into that, I'm curious, does that portable unit, does that have, um, does it analyze both O2 and CO2? Does it have a CO2 yes. sensor? Yep. Oh, it does. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So that way you, that way, you know, I asked that because that way you can get, uh, you can get fat 
your fat utilization substrate utilization along with mm -hmm. along with the um it is it's, it's aerobic capacity it's, with um oxygen utilization absolutely and there, there's it's i mean it's unbelievably how it's unbelievable how robust the 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 data has is that comes from this i mean depending on the athlete that you're working with and what they're trying to get out of it or you know how deep you want to go into it um yeah you know we're running an rmr test prior yeah. to so we can get a lot of the, the same things that we were getting out of you know using like again like the the whole full cart um it's just it, it's kind of just taking me aback and how number one how how simplified it has become um but still it's not just running a you know not just running a test you have to be able to understand what you're looking the for data. and yeah. and knowing if things are tracking correctly and and it, while it's working and it also can um, with the Bluetooth, it can pair with, um, um, so you, you can, you can start to get, uh, things like you can hook up Moxie to it. So you can start to see, uh, you know, where you're getting, uh, oxygenation, um, mm -hmm. near, near, like, like yeah. near infrared, um, near infrared, uh, spectrometry with, with oxygenation. So you're, ta you're talking about, you're talking about like blood hemoglobin exactly. or, or is that, are you talking about or, or oxygen saturation? Both. Both. So everything oh, really? that the MOXIE unit can can draw from. Yeah, which I'm is, fairly familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, so you can start to now pair a number of different things along with it. So you can create, you know, you you can create your step protocol with like a Zwift. You got a direct drive yeah. unit with the athlete on their own bike. And then now you like hook up a MOXIE. So you're getting so much data that, I mean, it's it's like it all is in one place. But you still have to be able to understand what to that understand means. Yeah. And if it's going sideways, like if it's not matching up, you have to be able to see that kind of in real time, which is. I think it's there's still a there's still a, a level of science that has to come with it and an understanding um, that mm -hmm. is not just like you know you're not just putting this out for age groupers to run themselves through yeah because um, yeah. there's a difference between like you know just doing math like if you're taking like an FTP test you're grabbing grabbing an FTP you're just plugging it into an Andy Coggin like you know scale that's math but if you're taking mm -hmm. you know if you're reading and trying to extrapolate out like where a you know a bt1 bt2 is having and yeah. how that's yeah. going to play into you know creating zones or uh or, or training specificity that's science you know you're taking information mm -hmm. you're actually using you're using more than just an algorithm to figure out where you're going to apply it to yes yep exactly yeah you're 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 really talking to that just exactly how how i would the uh the interesting, yeah, the thing with you know, all, the, all this, all this data is, is what you bring up. There's certain, you know, you have the ability to sort of to check on and, and question the data when you know what to look for, right? And so, I mean, you see somebody is like, oh my gosh, my fat utilization is through the roof. I'm building, I'm burning one gram of of fat per minute, which is which is really high. You know, most people would at you know and. and most endurance intensities would be more like around, you know, 0.5 or 0.6 grams, right? Yep. And that's still great. But so, you know, some why why are they at point, you know, 0.1 or or one gram? And you know, it could be because their, you know, their diets is is you know really manipulated towards one sort of spectrum, or it could be because the um the tool you're using isn't measuring accurately, and you need to bring it back, do calibration, compare it to another um another cart that is maybe in a lab and such. And so that's where you have to kind of dial in that you know that data um and then using cross checks like you mentioned uh the the moxie and looking at you know o2 saturation which isn't going to be that it doesn't change a ton with um exercise intensity ideally we don't want to be you know running out of, out of you know oxygen feeding our muscles and it's sort of going to stay you know ideally somewhere in the mid 90s or better uh but the uh 
you know, in a hemoglobin, I don't understand that enough as a data point, but the one I do is lactate. Mm-hmm. And we always use lactate, uh, a lactate analyzer as one as a great tool to help us look at LT1, LT2, much like you talked about VT1, VT2, because they are very, um, those those numbers uh, correspond and they and they go hand in hand. Yep. So, but you can, you know, by looking at a lactate number, you could tell whether, you know, somebody who maybe never really approaches, like never gets to uh, that VT2, but you can see that VT2 is really happening um, with that with that lactate test, so you can use both those measurements to really hone in what what it, what is happening. Yeah. How how often are you doing dual runs where you're you're doing a met test and you're doing a lactate test like simultaneously in the same run? When you, I was working in the when I was working in the lab, I was doing that. I would say ninety percent of the time. And and tell me why. Why? One is you get you get really interesting data with that with that lactate meter. Right, you just you really get a feel for for what's happening um, when people transition from different mechanistic ways of of producing ATP. Mm-hmm. Right, they're going they're going to they're going to do it off of uh, you know their type one muscle fibers in the very beginning. You're gonna you're gonna see that with um, just steady rock solid lactate. Yep. Right, the lactate is staying low. It's you know not going over two millimoles, and then there's a, there's a certain point where there's an inflection, and that inflection usually happens at the same time that fat utilization starts to starts to tail off. Okay, but but not but not always. Somebody who is you know their diet is sort of you know is on one spectrum or the other, those can be a little bit delayed, and you might not see it, and so it's almost like it's a, a way of like. Uh, validating a test the same way it's a way of um getting two different data subsets that could that could be saying that you could miss if you only had one yeah they're and, it's kind of doing yeah. a cross check on each other at some point it's, do, it's doing a cross check but it's also allowing you for, to confirm the um the advice you're going to be giving um off of that that test yeah, I, I think I, I think you're you're spot on there, and I, that's the. It, it, I know some people have shied away from from lactate testing uh, for various reasons, whatever they might see. Is whether it's, I mean, at one point in time it was cost, and it's uh, well, it's mm-hmm. a, is it a bloodborne pathogen issue, or you know? But there's obviously safety measures you take in all those. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, how many times sure. you want to prick somebody in the hand, and then like, okay, I get that, and um, but yeah, the, yeah. the the idea of taking like almost. Uh, you know, data from two different points and being able to track those simultaneously and seeing, okay, is the test running the way it should be or isn't it? And that's then, and it kind of might, you know, you know, give you the, the, uh, the RCA dog kind of turn your head or perk your ears and go, okay, now let's dive into seeing why this is this, um, more insight. Yeah. Well, to think about this too, it's like, if you see somebody who has, who has, um, low lack, um, low lactase and a significant inflection point. However, their um, fat utilization dropped off much earlier, right? You might say, you know what? You know, we have this certain point that your lactase are to click up. And maybe if we train at this point versus where your fat dropped off, we train at this point, you might, that fat might start to creep up a little bit. That fat utilization might start. You might start to get more economic and not have to rely as much on carbohydrates. Yeah. Right. If you hit this lactate, the first lactate inflection point. Instead, if you were looking at where that fat drop off, you you might you know, and maybe in that ventilate that that VT one actually might happen premature. Yeah. 
And you're really not training with that person to the real potential off of that one data set. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it gives you it gives you two very useful bits of information, and then it's up to the physiologist to decide how they want to take that information, and uh, and apply it to their their coaching. Yeah. Or the, yeah. It's up to, yeah. I think that, that, that. there. Yeah, and then and the uh, the application I think is is where the where the rub comes with you know how much does the athlete need to know? I mean, I think it's important to explain it. Um, but you know, there are different levels of athlete. If you have somebody that's a, you know, first time person in the, in, into the sport, they may not need to know everything that yeah. you're seeing, but understand how you're taking the information so that they understand the why of the test. Yeah. You know, it's like, basically you, you would, you would break it down to somebody who's like, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into this. You'd be like, we, you know, all we want to do is take this line and push it to the right. Yep. <laughs> and here, and, yep. And here's how we're going to do it. Okay, let's do it. Right. Yep. And, yeah. And so that that's that's what you have there, and that's a good point. Yeah. Well, a, f- a funny anecdote here is um, an, another coach friend of mine, uh, Justin Trelay. Uh, his wife had um, had long haul COVID. Um, oh shit! Yeah. And they she was having you know all these constant issues, and he was actually doing lactate testing on her during her her long haul symptoms. And oh, found that she was running about one to one point four millimoles at rest. One to one point four millimoles at, at rest. Yeah. So he was like, and, and he like didn't have an explanation for, it, but he started. And, I, and first of well, all, well, that, that that's that's does he have a baseline? Because one one to one point four at rest is is I, that's pretty normal, right? Yeah, but apparently, that, that, yeah, apparently for his wife it was high. So okay. he, he was seeing, and he was saying essentially the time was that she was running essentially in like zone two, um, gotcha. at rest yeah. and like that her body never was able to like fully kind of settle down and he didn't have a, didn't have an answer for it, but I, I thought yeah. kudos for, you know, Hey, your wife's sick and now what are you going to do? You're going to see her as a test subject. Oh yeah. That's awesome. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like jump, I, jump in there. Yeah. Like, you know, he, you know, stress that, that wife out, you know, you know, you, yeah. you have a marriage for a reason, like we, for good and bad, for, for testing and non-testing. <laughs> yeah. For so, sure. I don't know that, yeah. I don't know that my wife would have let me start doing that, but, uh, you know, that's, yeah, no, I, 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 I like to test off. I mean, everybody in my family. Well, there you go. Even when they're uh-huh. sick, like, okay, you're throwing up. Hold mm-hmm. on. I got to prick your yeah. finger. Let me, I'll hold your hair uh, back and prick your finger at the same time. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think the, yeah, the, and if you people are listening, I think lactate levels in general, uh, they can be, you know, at rest. One is a very normal, even 1.4 is a very normal lactate level at rest. So if someone does pick your finger and they say 1 or 1.4, that's very, very normal. A lot of times athletes will begin to exercise and lactates will drop as they start to get into their really, you know, low intensity aerobic exercise. Yep. Uh, I've seen that. But then, but then uh, there are some athletes who, you know, will get in and their lactates will be like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, also very normal lactate levels. It's not really an indicator of your, of your athletic ability, like what's your resting lactate. Um, if it's two, then that basically means that you're always kind of in a stress state. That's kind of, that's, I feel like that's getting a little bit high. Yeah. And there's some questions. We've seen some people come in, you know, with, Lactate levels around, you know, close to two millimoles coming in, and we're like, "Oh, what would you do? What did you do last night?" <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, I may have had you know a couple, two, three, four, five, too many." Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, there's you know there's there is that. But I would say uh, it's good for people to know because if they do get a lactate test, it's like that. Yeah, it could be one point four, but it could be 
know, 0.52. And I, and I think this kind of just tees up for the whole idea of testing needs to be consistent. It needs to mm-hmm. have, it needs, it needs to be uh, constant and there needs to be like a protocol to make them homogenous so that when you do multiple tests, you're starting to track an, a, a series of data um, trends to, to not just get one test and say, okay, this is where you're at just based on this one test, because that may not be a real accurate window into your journey or where you're specifically at. Yeah, you, you certainly, certainly very true. Like not to say that one test isn't meaningful. It's certainly, no. it's, 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 but it's, it's the start of the story. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the information that you'll see is you'll see, you'll see like, like a fingerprint really. Like you'll see like someone's going to have a certain curve, right? And then you're going to see that curve be very similar in the next test. And, you know, but then you're going to see subtleties. Oh yeah, but this pushed a little bit further to the right here. We're getting some training adaptation. What we're doing is working, yep. right? And, you know, and I've been, I've had athletes I've tested, you know, every year or every six months for like four or five years. And it's exciting to see that data trend. I've been testing my, my son, who's an you know, elite level uh, runner getting ready to run in college next year. I've, I've had, had four or five tests on him, which is, it's really fun to get that data and see the nuances change, but sort of see the similarities in that, in that fingerprint of their, um, of their metabolic testing. Yeah. It's a, that I'm, and I'm sure having your dad be like a high level, you know, uh, sports scientist does not hurt in your development as an, as an endurance athlete. I would like to say we, we've made an impact because, you know, like <laughs> it's, you know, like, am I, am I his coach? I'm his guide, you know, like, and, you know, so you have to, you know, have to play as a, as a sort of, you know, you know, sports science sort of nerd and dive, diving deep into this, you can't go and overwhelming and try to control every facet. I don't think that works for every individual. Um, my, you know, my son, Kyle is like, he, he, he loves it. He's really into it, but he has other coaches he works with. What we get to do, and, and this is something for any, any coach to think about. So what we get to do is make the coaching more effective. Yeah. The coach says go on endurance run. Kyle knows exactly what pace he needs to do to do, get the most productive endurance run he can get. He knows exactly not what pace but what heart rate he needs to hit. Yeah. You're, and so he goes and hits that heart rate and he gets more out of that workout than, than the kid next to him. It, it helps, that he, it helps to have an endurance Obi-Wan Kenobi in your house. <laughs> Yes. Just, and any, and any coach can, can have that. They don't need to be no one. The coach doesn't need to be the, the scientist. They just need to, to find someone who they, they're, they're comfortable getting data from and they can use it to make the coaching more effective. And that's just, that's just smart coaching. Yeah. And, and I think that, that it, it's very similar in, in, in a lot of other aspects too. Um, I use the same thing with bike fitting. You know, I don't bike fit. I trust that Chris Balzer is going to do, the work for me and that the information he gives me back, I, I don't second guess it. And so I can, I can, you know, let the, uh, let the athlete understand that the process is going to be X, Y, or Z, and that, that the information you're getting here is why it's valid. And here's how we're going to apply that. And here's how we're going to move forward with it. But yeah, I, I, you know, the coach does not have to be the, the only singular source of information. Sometimes just being a, I would say resonating or being a reassuring voice in that or an applying voice um, that sometimes is, is even a more effective place to be. Yeah. I think we all need to remind ourselves we're as good as the sum of all, of all of our parts. And, you know, like we, we can't be, we can't be everything to, to everybody. And that's, you know, I no. think, you know, like it's for me, like if I was to ever be a really effective and great coach, I would need to hire somebody to do marketing. 
Oh yeah. Like because because I'm like I'm not good at that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I can I can guide an athlete and really help, and I can talk the, the talk, and I and I love it, but. You, I, I'm not going to get out there in front of people because nobody knows I'm there, you know, cause I don't do the marketing. I don't yep. do, I don't do the public relations as, as, I, as much as I could. And, and that's one, that's one of my faults and recognizing that as an area that I could build and, and be stronger is something that I, uh, I acknowledge. Well, you just know your role. You're well, you're, first of all, you're great. And there's so many people that have, uh, have benefited from you. Um, I being one, and I know a, a, a ton of other people out there and, and I hope that, uh, not only Kyle is, uh, you know, Getting that that uh, that resource from you now, but in the future, a lot of other people will because I know that yeah. you have no, we, had a, a great influence with all of us. No, I, mean, I have fun. I, I feel so great. To, I feel blessed to have to be able to work with as many people as I have and continue to work with. And I have a few few athletes that I, I get to share in all their successes, which is uh, super rewarding for me, and, I, and, I, and it always will be. Yeah, well, I continue. I, I look forward to you uh, working with people. I look forward to seeing you physically at some yes. point in time here in the future. I, I get out to the Springs yeah. now more often. Um, yeah, and, whenever and you're in the neighborhood, drop on by. And, drive you know, through and, and eat, I, eat your yogurt and, you know, use your bathroom mm-hmm. and all that kind of good stuff. And... For sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, even, I even have a, a new pool in my in my neighborhood so I can do lap swimming. Like, well, good, good on you, yeah, man. In the hood, yeah. So it's kind of fun. So I'm actually getting back in the pool a little bit, which is which is super good for me. Well, I, I'm, I've, uh, I've, I've made the mistake a number of times of trying to, like, you know, pace with you on anything and it ends up just being a suffer fest and I just kind of kick myself for doing it. I think the last time you took <laughs> me up some gravel road when I only had a road bike and you're like, Oh, your skinny tires. Yeah, you should be fine. And you're just like, yeah, and I'm like good. slip sliding away at like, you know, 18% grading. You're like, come on, you can do it. Like, Oh, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. why I even agreed to this. Like, it sounds like, sounds like we did poor man's. We yeah, probably, we we probably did, poor, did. We did. We, we did poor man to uh four mile to poor man and down sunshine. Okay. Yeah. It, that was it, a good one. it probably was. It was kind of like when you, when you can try to convince us to go up uh, a flagstaff when it was snowing and no, that was not me. Uh, that was you guys. I'm like, guys, this is not going to be good up top. <laughs> it was terrible. And, uh, I was the only one. I like. I, I brought extra clothes, extra gloves. Cause I knew you guys would be underdressed. And oh. like, <laughs> we were getting to the bottom. It's like we, we would stop this at, at, at the at Star- Starbucks, Starbucks. Yeah, if it like, wasn't for that Starbucks, I remember mean, the four of us hiding underneath the hair dryer in the bathroom. Like, do I need to call my wife to come get us, guys? Yes. And there was like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, good, because that would not be. Well, I think she showed up, didn't she? Didn't she? Um, like, she might have. She. I, I think she showed up because she she works um, a couple blocks from there just to check on us, make sure that make sure that we were uh, thawing yes. out appropriately. Yeah, we did ride. Yeah. We did ride the rest of the way back completely like hypothermic. But I do remember her. Well, we, we. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was an ugly thing. I couldn't think, feel yeah. my fingers, and breaking with no 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 dexterity in your fingers is a hard thing to do, especially on the wet turnbacks on those, that road. But, uh, but think, but, but th- just think of the character built. Oh, and that's the thing, yeah. Just think, know? just think about it. Just think. Yeah, how. And, and that's where, that's where I taught you. The only way to really warm up is a time trial your ass home. Because otherwise, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you get faster? You train with a grizzly bear right behind you. And then that, yeah. that's, what's going to help you. Yeah. Uh, Jared. So, so yeah. fun to catch up with you. Thank you so much for being with me today and, uh, just sharing some of your wisdom and, uh, your story. Um, I'd love to have you back again sometime if you yeah uh, would. be my pleasure let's do it again for sure so um, thanks Jared if you uh, want to find out more about Jared you can uh, uh, you can contact him um, Jared what's the best way to get a hold of you nowadays you know you can you can shoot me uh, an email you can catch me um, at jared at tryendurance.com 
and uh, don't pay attention to the website because that needs some work. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jared at tryendurance.com. Is, um, yeah, you can certainly reach out to me if you have any questions with anything. I'd love to say I'm on Instagram, but um, I'm hardly or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, you're not so much <laughs> in the social media. I've, I've watched it. So <laughs> rarely do I ever see something from you. And when I do, it's just it's something very, yep, this is what happened. thank you thank you for the uh the reassurance all right well we're gonna take a break here and we'll come back and we'll uh we'll have coach gabby back again with us and um we'll wrap up today's segment so we'll see in a little bit (laughs) all right thanks for Welcome back, everybody. Segment three. What a time that was with uh, Jared. He is, I tell you, um, the inspiration for me. He was kind of my, definitely my intro into all of this and uh, great insight into how he sees uh, metabolic testing and how he uses it and applies it today. Um, Gabby, uh, let me ask you, the metabolic testing, what is your... um, what is your use of it as a coach and, and have you, have you done it as an athlete uh, recently? Yeah. So I, I have not done metabolic testing like personally myself for I believe five to seven years where we did a resting metabolic rate and then an active metabolic rate. Um, and yeah, and two, it's pretty exciting because we're hopefully going to be able to do some metabolic testing with our athletes coming up absolutely yeah with the uh, you know with the with the new Pinoy unit that we have um we are definitely able to to take some of the information and you know one of the things that i have really kind of learned um in my education through um you know th- through all of this is the difference between you know the use of math and the use of science to derive performance boundaries and um, we talked about this before, but when you take an FTP test or you take the data from an FTP test and you, or from a, um, just from heart rate and you apply that to an algorithm and, and space it out, like taking, um, just taking your VT2 or your ventilator or your, or your threshold, um, and putting that into a heart rate calculator, getting those numbers, that's essentially math. That's not really science. You're, that's not what you're, you're, you're getting at the, the extrapolation of data from the test and then the massaging of that to apply it to training and then applying that to racing, that's science. And I think that's where the key is that we're trying to get to with us with coaching is that we're trying to get to that next level where we're not just doing math, we're doing science. And I think that's really important to, to differentiate those two points. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great tool because most people start with, you know, more math-based because it's easy, accessible, you can get some good base numbers and then that metabolic testing is just that next level launch for, for clients and athletes who are looking to kind of make the next step, whatever their goal might be. Yeah. And it, and it's been, you know, I would say a boundary or a hurdle with technology. Um, you know, back when we were doing Optum, it was, you know, we had a, we had a met cart, it was uh, in a big facility, you know, we had to calibrate with, uh, with gas exchange and it was, there was a lot of things that kind of anchored that to a singular location. The, exactly. Usually not very portable. Absolutely. But with the, with the Pinoy unit that we have here, is it's, we can take it anywhere. And I think that really does help 
bring it to the common person. Because if you're doing tests and you're actually extrapolating the right data from it, then doing tests more frequently becomes more applicable. And, you know, back in the day um, when New Leaf was around and, and uh, Lifetime was doing tests and, and they were like, you know, trying to sell those as a as an upsell in the fitness world, which I'm sure you're aware of, it didn't seem Mary? like the, didn't seem like they were taking the data and actually practically applying it or, or, or using it specifically enough with the athlete. They were kind of, let's do a test. Let's give you a printout. It changes your heart rate zones. Boom. Now you can go to now you can go to another class. Um, that's really not what we're doing here. We're trying to, especially with athletes, try to modify. We're trying to track. We're trying to see where we're making benefits, and then really hone in on what are the limiters inside our body. Are we, you know, is, is it cardiopulmonary? Is that a limiter? Is it fat burning? Are we, you know, where are where are the limiters that we are needing to address instead of just kind of taking a shotgun approach to it? We need to be snipers. Yeah, I, I think it just, it opens so many different doors in order to, to, I mean, coaching is just, it's constantly massaging the program for the athlete. Everyone is so different. And this kind of just, we don't know it until we get inside the athlete. And this is kind of the snapshot shot instead of Ooh. inside of the athlete. We have to bleep that one out there. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we, we won't check that box on iTunes this time. <laughs> um, whoops. Exactly. Whoops. <laughs> well, you know, I'm excited because, um, you know, you haven't tested for quite a while and I'm excited to get, uh, you know, I would say some more consistent testing uh, under your belt, you know, assuming that your coach is okay with it. Cause I'm, obviously I'm, I'm not your coach and, and, and I don't want to make any presumptions. Um, but especially for someone at your level, you know, you being a professional athlete, um, there are you, there are a lot of things that you can do to kind of get yourself to that point. But after you get to a certain level, really there are, it's the small micro changes that make the biggest difference. You know, you're no longer, you know, making ginormous leaps on your FTP. You're no longer, you know, dropping your 10 K PR by, you know, five minutes or anything like that. It's, it's seconds. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's micro, micro advancements. So I'm excited to see how that will, that's going to work for you and how your program can, can benefit from that. Yeah, that'd be a pretty cool, a pretty cool feature. I'm, I'm excited to use it myself and for athletes that, that I coach too. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that we're coming out of COVID that, uh, you know, we have, um, there are filters on these units that will allow, you know, particulates not to be, not to escape, it you know, makes it safe for us as, as uh, coach testing, uh, people, uh, but also makes it safe for the athlete to, to do it because it's almost like you're, you are wearing a mask and, you know, it, it's, it, it is, it, you know, there are things that can float around out there. It's not just the, not just the Rona that's, the flu and all kinds of other regular, normal, um, bad guy stuff, you know, <laughs> making you sick. They're everywhere. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's so that, that should be fun. So I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be important for that. Um, how do you think, do you, do you think other coaches are going to be as receptive to this as, as we are? Or do you think that's, that we're an anomaly in the system? No, I, I mean, I think as, those units become more readily available and portable. I think it'll be much easier for most coaches to access, but I, I mean, I do feel the easy route is just to do math based coaching off of FTP or whatever type of bike test that might be or run test that might be. That is definitely the easy route portable route. But as these things just become more accessible, I would hope that more coaches would want to utilize tools like this. 
Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it, you know, we've we've both been kind of big advocates of coaching as a as a craft and not just a, a you know a side hustle. Um, and and I think that the more that we get out and do that, the more that these these important data informational pieces uh, come into play, and it really. You know, I think it does differentiate people from just, you know, writing a program to actually looking at data, responding to it, and creating something moving forward from that. Because that really is, I I think, besides the communication aspect of what we do, you know, talking with people, creating relationships, all those things, it is the constant monitoring of an athlete and then making the modifications. And that's, you know, pretty much why we don't, you know, coach – 65 people either of us you know we keep our our numbers pretty low so that touch point is is right there because we have to watch so many you know so many buttons and meters yeah well and you're it's you're kind of constantly pulling on the strings with your little puppet (laughs) to change (laughs) things day to day and week to week because it should be a fluid movement and um not not it's not always viewed that way either when a lot of athletes are taken on or it's a bigger platform so that's the, that's the key and the nice thing I think that we offer. Yeah. And I, and I think some athletes maybe, you know, I don't want to say don't care about that, but hopefully, you know, with us educating and us discussing it a little more, it brings it more to the forefront and it allows, I think all athletes to see how it's important. Um, you know, you don't have to be an elite athlete like yourself to benefit from an RMR. You don't have to be an elite athlete like yourself to benefit from a VO2 max test to try and determine, you know, your, you know, all, all the things going on inside you, your VO2, or I'm sorry, your, your O2 consumption, your CO2 production, where those levels are and when in relation to your heart rate or exertions on either the bike or the run, those are important things, but being able to see them and to be able to do them in movement, that's really exciting to me. I mean, I don't know that I'd want to do a, I don't know that I'd want to do a metabolic test on the bike on the road. That seems a little bit tricky. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. The yeah. trainer is uh, clutch. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'd want to do that. But it would be interesting to do a, uh, a test on the track for running. You know, thinking about running and and instead of having a, being on a treadmill, doing it on a track and being in a controlled situation. And we know the differences that, you know, we have from a gait standpoint running on a treadmill versus running outside or not running on a treadmill and, the, you know, how you're kind of – not catching up so much is actually propelling yourself that that would actually have a, a, a I would say a markable uh, difference in what the, what that result would be. That's, that's an interesting point that I'm, I'm excited to explore. Yeah. I think there's so many different avenues that you can take it and, and explore. And, you know, if the athlete's doing more running on the treadmill, it might be applicable to kind of get numbers there. And then as they kind of transition to outdoor running, it'd be great to just compare and see the difference and kind of show them the difference in the two styles of running and what it really does to your heart rate and just how you breathe and, and all of those details that you can't, you can't really know from just numbers necessarily. Yeah. And I don't think we'll be doing this with a big snorkel, uh, in the water at any (laughs) point in time soon. I, I, I would, I was kind of wondering, I, I don't think that's been created just yet. No, I mean, but you know, and I always laugh about how heart rate is completely irrelevant in swimming. Um, but yeah. that's kind of starting to change a little bit, uh, especially with some of these smart goggles that are showing you heads up display, um, of your pace of your split times of, you can, you can have heart rate in, the, in that heads up display. So 
how he had always said that it's because you can't see it, you're not looking at your watch while you're swimming. Well, if that's in a heads-up display, does that change that philosophy and that mindset? Yeah. I think those, I think there are they form goggles. I think they've been pretty great for people's success in open water swimming and even pool swimming. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about the stuff that help you sight in. I mean, you're not like Maverick in Top Gun where it's, you know, you're trying to lock in, you know, you're too, too close for missiles and you're switching to guns. But I have tried those, uh, the form goggles and I, and as much as I don't want to like them, I kind of like them. Yeah. I've, I've always been kind of just anti-tech in the, in the water. I've never wanted to watch. I always just use my little pace clock and I'm good, but, uh, they are, they are pretty advantageous and and something to to help pretty much anybody of any level. Well, you coming from a, a, you know, from an elite swim background as well. It's, uh, you're probably just saying, Hey everybody, why don't you just go back to wearing baggy suits and, um, and you know, the one piece round goggles in the front. Cause that way. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's, that, that will always be me at the core. I've, I've never (laughs) been a big tech girl. So I, I think I'll always rely on my little pace clock and, uh, regular goggles, but we'll, uh, we'll try from there. Well, it seems to be working. I mean, I've, I've watched you swim through, um, three quarters of the men's field at lifetime more times than I care to say. And it's been fun to watch every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Gabby, it was, it's, it, this has been a super fun, uh, super fun time. Did you like the new format? Do you kind of, you think it's, uh, it might be something we, we stay with? I hope so. I mean, if, if anyone has comments or suggestions, we are open. Uh, but I, I think this keeps things interesting. It gives us a little, uh, time to catch up in the beginning and a little debrief and just something new and fresh. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, send your, send your feedback. Um, you can either do it on Facebook, uh, Insta, Twitter. We're all over there. You can uh, send us an email at info, uh, info at com. Um, but we'd love to hear what you think about this. We'd love to hear if you like it, if you hate it, um, you know, don't maybe be so like, you know, um, open about it. Like, no, just kidding. But we would like to, (laughs) we would like to maybe soften the blow. Exactly. Just say something nice first before you rip us to shreds. But, uh, no, we, we, uh, we'd love to hear what you have. And if you have ideas or if you want us to, uh, bring any other people on that you want to hear about, um, let us know there too. Uh, also reminder of Gabby that we have, uh, our, our, uh, our t-shirts still available. If you want to rep, um, the be better podcast, it's, uh, has this, this guy that we haven't seen forever. Coach Mike Leidendorf. We haven't seen him for forever in a day, but I haven't seen him for a minute. I know he's still around. I talked to Mike just the other day. He's still doing well, but his family moved from South end of the twin cities to the North end. And he's been busy with some other things, but we'll bring him back again. I, or we'll actually get him on the show at some point in time. I promise. Good. Yeah. I, I think he needs to not only make a appearance, but a vocal appearance. I think he does. I think he needs to get out of his shell and actually come back out and do something, <laughs> do something big with the rest of us. Yes. All right. Well, Gabby, thanks for being with me this week again. Um, and this time, uh, I look forward to, to talking with you again. And uh, thanks to all of you for listening. We appreciate you. Um, again, if you have any comments, uh, hit us up and let us know. Um, but until next time, we just ask that you be just a little better. Take care. <laughs>